All right, everybody. Um, yeah, thanks for being here. This is awesome. Um, y'all all know me, but for those listening on the podcast, uh, my name is Jeremy Wolf. I'm the administrator for Bellwether. Um, I'm not the pastor. I'm not John Hugh. Uh, he is on India, uh, an Indian mission trip right now, leading a team that we've got over there. We've got eight, uh, eight people going to uh, India to go uh, minister to girls uh, that have been rescued from the sex traffic industry which is really awesome. Uh, we partner with a aftercare shelter over there. Um, also, we, we support a, um, a school in Hyderabad, India, that they're going to go visit. Uh, this school is for uh, the untouchables caste. They've got the, the caste system in India, and this is for the bottom uh, caste. So it's, it's people who would never get the chance to have an education, um, likely would never get a chance to, to hear the Lord. And so, um, anyway, they, we've, we've got a Got a school that, that affords them those opportunities, and that's really cool. So anyway, we're excited about them. We, we hope all is well. I haven't heard from them yet. Uh, all, we just heard from them when they are in Dubai at the airport, but all is well, and I'm assuming all is well now. Uh, look forward to all the, uh, the, all the pictures and uh, videos. But anyway, John Hugh asked me to uh, talk tonight about the resurrection. We've been going through our uh, membership covenant which uh, has in there the the core principles of Christianity that that we all believe in, what we all say all all Christians believe, and one of which is the resurrection, really important deal. And so, um, anyway, I want to take this equip service to just talk about uh, the resurrection. Now, we we, we call it equip because, you know, this is kind of scaled back. It's more intimate. Um, But these things are meant to equip you to be a better disciple, um, a, a better, um, a more effective uh, ministry in your own life and, and, and in this church. Is these uh, equipped services are to equip you with more information just to help you dive into a deeper relationship with the Lord. Um, and uh, we hope that you're blessed by it. But um, anyway, we with the resurrection, I mean, it's kind of a big deal. You know, kind of, kind of, kind of a, a big event. Um, there's there's three main things that, that we got to wrestle with. The fact that there was Jesus, there was a crucifixion, and then there was this, this big event that happened immediately after the crucifixion. And regardless of, you know, I, I, I know everyone in here, um, uh, you know, says, yeah, I'm a Christian, you know, I, I, I believe that, that's fine. You know, I, I think we fall into one of three camps. It, it, people either fall into the, yeah, I'm a Christian, I'm good, I, I believe all this stuff, I'm confident in that, I'm, that's cool. You have people who, yeah, I'm, I'm a Christian, um, I don't know necessarily say I'm confident in that, but I, I'll say, yeah, I believe in the resurrection, uh, I believe Jesus you know, rose from the grave, I don't really know how that works, I'm not really all well versed in that, but I, I believe it. And then you have some people say, I have a really tough time with that, I have a real tough time, I, I struggle with that, or... Flat out, I, I think that's, I think that's pretty fairy tale like, you know. It's, it's like some big myth and legend. You know, I, I can't believe that. Doesn't kind of doesn't gel with my science. And to those people, I, I understand that too. I get that. I mean, the resurrection that that somebody, that somebody was alive, then died, stayed dead for three days, and all of a sudden pops up and he's, hey, you know, how you guys doing? Let's eat some fish. Hey, Mary, go run and tell the other guys I'm here. I mean, that's, it's kind of fantastical. I mean, it's, it's, it's hard to believe. Um, but we have a God that works in the miraculous. He makes miracles. He does things that are otherwise just not possible. And so I, 
that's what we're going to talk about tonight. And, and for those who are confident in your faith, I mean, why are you? I mean, you, I, th- I think all Christians, we're called to give an account of the faith that we have. I mean, it, we, we, should, we should have some evidence to point those uh, towards just uh, our, our, um, our faith and our beliefs. So we've got the three things that we've got to deal with. Jesus, the cross, and what happened afterwards. Jesus was a man. He was not a myth, was not a legend. Any historian, will, will, they can't refute the existence of Jesus. He was the most documented man in, in all of history. Even, even the Muslims in the Koran, Jesus appears there. They don't, they don't view him as God, but they believe he exists. I mean, even historians that don't believe in the deity of Jesus, they believe he exists. I mean, he was a man. He was a son of, of Mary and of Joseph, born in Bethlehem, grew up in Nazareth. Regardless of what your views of Jesus are, he was a man, and you can't deny it. And that man, that son of Mary and Joseph, he died a criminal's death. He died on a cross. He died a crucifixion. That was kind of, kind of the popular capital punishment back in Jerusalem in those days with the Romans. I mean, thousands of people in history have just been crucified. It's a really gruesome death. But it happened. I mean, that was an actual event. A real man suffered a real death. And then after that death, immediately after, there was a big event that happened that served as the catalyst for the church exploding all over the Middle East and throughout the ends of the earth. And so regardless of what you believe about that event, you have to at least recognize something happened that caused people's faith to just explode. So we had a real man, real crucifixion, real event that happened. And, and I say all this to say, we need to wrestle with this because this is the most crucial topic that you can ever discuss in life because it has uh, eternal implications with your life. The most crucial thing you can talk about. If it's, if it's true, we have hope. We have, we, we have hope for, for everything, of afterlife, for that, that brokenness can be repaired, that, that, uh, that we can become pure, because we know, we know our own you know, sin, our own wickedness. But if it's not right, you know, if it's not true, the resurrection didn't happen, then even the Bible says that Christians are the most to be pitied among anybody in the entire planet. Let's open it. Open up to 1 Corinthians uh, chapter 15. We're going to read a couple of passages in here, but first of all, we're going to do 12 through 19. So again, Paul is writing the letter, this letter to the, to the church in Corinth. And he's saying what I just said. All right, let's say, verse 12, chapter 15, verse 12. But if it is preached that Christ has been raised from the dead, how can some of you say there's no resurrection of the dead? If there's no resurrection of the dead, then not even Christ has been raised. And if Christ has not been raised, then our preaching is useless, and so is your faith. So what he's saying is, you know, uh, if, if, if it's not possible to be raised from the dead, then that means Jesus wasn't raised from the dead. And if Jesus wasn't raised from the dead, then your faith in him is absolutely worthless. 15, more than that, we are then found to be false witnesses about God, for we have testified about God that he raised Christ from the dead. But if he didn't, but if he did not raise him from the, in fact, 
Let me. But he did not raise him if, in fact, the dead are not raised. For if the dead are not raised, then Christ has not been raised either. And if Christ has not been raised, then your faith is futile and you are still in your sins. So he's just reiterating. You know, if Christ wasn't raised from the dead, then your faith is worthless and you're still, and you're still in your sins. You're still broken. There's no hope. Verse 18, then those who have fallen asleep in Christ are lost. And if only for this life we have hope in Christ, then we are pitied. We are to be pitied more than all men. So Paul's saying, look, if, if the resurrection didn't happen, if, uh, if that restoration didn't occur, then we have no hope. We are to be pitied among everyone. So like I mentioned, we're going to talk a little bit about um, the crucifixion, we're going to focus on the resurrection. Then we're going to kind of talk about the implications of that. So let's talk about the cross. Like, who knows any details about either Christ's crucifixion or cru- crucifixion in general? Anybody? One of the most horrible forms of torture. Why, why was it bad? Ton, tons of pain and suffocation. Yeah. They, they, the, so, you know, pe- people know about, about hands and feet kind of being nailed to the, to the wood, you know, and that's, that's pretty graphic and really painful in and of itself. But then, but then that, that really wasn't what killed people on the cross. When they hung there, their body weight was so much that it, uh, it made it really hard to breathe. And the only way that you could really breathe was you had to push up on your, on your legs to give your, give your chest some, some freedom to, to expand and contract. But when you did that, your whole feet was pushing, the whole weight of your body was pushing against those nails that were in your feet. It was extremely painful. I mean, it's painful to get, get stabbed anyway. But then the whole act of, of having to put your entire weight on those uh, appendages, I mean, it, it was excruciating. And so when people died on the cross, they died of suffocation. Um, when they... Uh, does anybody know how, how they got the crosses from Jerusalem to the place outside of the city um, where, they execute, where the criminals were executed? That's right, they carried and they, they made the criminals carry their own cross. When Jesus says, take up your own cross and follow me, it's kind of what he's referring to. Like it, the the uh, criminals had to, had to drag their crosses, and they weren't standing, you know, Roman guards weren't standing idly by. When, when they were just, it wasn't just like they just walked beside them. They were, they were whipping them, beating them, cussing them. It's just, I mean, it was, it was just a, uh, a march to their death, but a torturous march to their death. You know, when they're being, when they're being uh, whipped and beaten, I mean, their, their skin's just being ripped on, on their backs mostly, but um, you know, the back of their legs being whipped. And so you're, you're beaten, bloodied, nearly to death, by the time you finally get to the place where you're going to be hung upon the cross, then they nail your hands. I mean, it's really gruesome, and you suffocate to death. And it's really gruesome. It's torturous. And why do I say all this? The details are important because they matter in the resurrection. Um, does anybody know what happens? Or, or let's just say this. Um, the Jews had this uh, Levitical law that stated that they, they couldn't do any work on the Sabbath and, and bringing bodies off of the crosses, bringing out the dead. I mean, that constituted his work. So uh, 
they got the Roman guards. They said, hey, look, we can't have it. Um, we can't go out there. These guys got to come off now. Um, and so uh, does anybody know what they did to speed up the process of suffocation? They did stab them, and they also broke their legs. So what they would do was they would go and they would break the legs of, of everybody still alive, and so they couldn't push up on their legs, and they would go and they would suffocate. And then for those who, then just to make sure that they were dead, they walked around with a big spear and stabbed them. So they, they started breaking all the legs, like the thief who was next to Jesus had his legs broken, suffocated. They got around to Jesus. He was already dead, so they didn't break his legs, which that's important. As, that was an Old Testament prophecy that was fulfilled. But they didn't break his legs. What did they do? They just took that big spear, went up underneath his rib cage, and stabbed his heart and pulled it out. Um, and so here you've got Jesus, the body. He's got holes all, all in his body, beaten and bruised. And he's taken off the cross and being taken to, to his, his burial area by Joseph of Arimathea and Nicodemus. Joseph of Arimathea um, was a really rich man. He was a Pharisee, but he, uh, but he believed that Jesus was God. So he was, he was kind of alone in, in that deal. But... Um, when I say, you know, take Jesus to his burial spot, they, they didn't, like, dig six feet in the ground and drop, drop a body in and, you know, have the, have the funeral plot over there at the cemetery. Does anybody know what, what that tomb looked like? Or a, it, was, it was a tomb. Yeah, it, was a, it was a cave. It was carved in to rock. Like, the, uh, the, old, the, old, Jewish, um, the old Jewish law had, had very clean, restrict, or very... Res- strict restrictions on cleanliness and proper burial technique. And um, really, most people couldn't afford it. Like, it was so expensive to go and get everything all Levitically pure. But Joseph of Arimathea, rich man, high, high, uh, uh, Jewish elite guy, you know, he had his own burial chamber already set up for him and his family. He, he goes and puts Jesus in his own burial chamber. And so he would, have, uh, so he would be in accordance with the, with the law. In his death, and so that's that's the tomb that Jesus is. When when we talk about you know at Easter time the tomb was empty, like that was it was the burial chamber of Joseph of Arimathea that, that Christ was in. Um. So he's in there for three days. Then what happens? He woke up. All right, fine. But what 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 do we find out after that? He appears to people. So first off, we see Mary Magdalene. Uh, Mary Magdalene, he was the first person he appeared to. She went down to, uh, she went down to, the, uh, to the tomb, goes and finds it's empty, sees his cloths, like the, the burial cloths, and, um, and he's nowhere to be found. She freaks out because, you know, she's like thinking, Somebody, somebody's taken my Lord somewhere. In fact, she sees who she thinks is the gardener and cries out, like, where did you take my Lord? You know, she's, she's really uh, distraught. And, um, and then she realizes, you know, it's not the gardener when the gardener says, Mary, well, you probably didn't get spirit fingers. But, um, but, but Jesus said, Mary. And as soon as, she, uh, as soon as he called her name, as soon as, you know, her shepherd called her name, uh, she realized who he was and, um, and said, Rabbi, I went to his feet. Uh, but 
at that point, Jesus said, no, look, you've got to go tell the others. So anyway, so Mary goes, runs to the disciples, tells them. They don't believe her. They think she's some woman making up woman stories. Um, and, I, and I say that because at this time, women's testimony wasn't even allowed in court. They were, they were viewed at on a really low level of the societal world back in this time. So the fact that Jesus even appeared first to a woman and told her to be the one to go out and tell others, that's a big deal. But, um, but, we, but he shows up to Peter, shows up to the disciples, and we all hear about the doubting Thomas. You know, Thomas feels his, his hands, and he believes. Jesus appears to uh, over 500 people at least. In fact, we know at least 500 were there at one time where Jesus appeared. Over 40 days, he goes and uh, he, he appears to uh, just hundreds of people. And throughout this time, he, uh, he eats with them. He eats, he drinks with them, he socializes, he also teaches. Uh, he showed up with two disciples as they were walking to a town called Emmaus, and uh, they didn't know who he was at the time. He didn't reveal himself to them, but he went through all the Old Testament prophecies and all the Old Testament laws, showed how it pointed to him being the Messiah. And so in this time of 40 days, Jesus taught. He taught about uh, not only the past and how he fulfilled uh, the Messiah's role for Israel, but he also told about the future. He talked to Peter and told him how he's going to die. That's pretty heavy. He told Peter, you know, one day someone's going to take you to where you don't want to go, stretch out your arms, and he was going to be crucified. And we see through history that Peter did die of a crucifixion. Um, and again, so to have your Lord and Savior to come back has got to be real exciting. But for him to tell you that you're not only going to die for your belief in him, but that it's going to be a really horrific, gruesome death has got to be really heavy. But we see that all of the uh, disciples just carried out their faith with a great boldness. And, and in turn, nearly all of them uh, died pretty horrific deaths um, as a result of that. Now, I just talked about... How, how Jesus was here, how, how he was crucified, and then all the details concerning the resurrection. But again, it's really hard to understand that. It's really, really hard to wrap our, our, our brains around that. It's not like dead people become alive often. You know, we don't, we don't see that. I mean, every about, every about five years or so, we, we see something in the paper on, uh, like two years ago in Lexington, Mississippi, man, some guy wakes up in the coroner's office and, and freaks him out, you know, you got, you got stiffs waking up at the morgue. He wasn't really dead. He had a, he had a, he had a low heartbeat, uh, didn't breathe very well. You know, they thought he was dead, but he wasn't. He, and all of a sudden, boom, wakes up. And then you have people who, who actually do die. You know, at the hospital, they flatline. You know, maybe for five minutes, their heart is literally not beating, and through some act of shocking it back into, into action, boom, you know, the, it'll, it'll pick back up and... People may be technically dead for five minutes. But we're talking right now about a, a guy who was, again, beaten to the near point of death, who had, who had uh, nails and spears in multiple places of his body. I mean, we're talking full penetration through the body. And, um, and then he's wrapped up in a tomb for three days without food or water, and to believe that that guy was to, you know, 
all of a sudden he 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 died, and then you know he's up in Adam, and you know talking to people, and it's all you know hunky dory. That's just tough to believe, and and it's understandable if you got a hard time believing that. I mean, I get it. That's tough. I mean, that is not how the world that we experience works. You know, we we don't we don't see these miracles. We don't see. Um, like our science doesn't match up to that. So, yeah, it's really hard to believe. I get that. There's no shame in that. But, again, this is the most crucial topic that you could ever ever come to in life. I mean, and, and we all need to face up and, and at least decide what we think about it at some point in our life because the implications are so drastic. It has eternal implications, the conclusions that we come to. And so I get why people have a hard time. Chris, let me ask you. I, I, know, I know that you had a real hard time. You had hang-ups believing about, you know, Jesus, his, his crucifixion and resurrection. Like, like, what were your hang-ups over believing Scripture? Jonah, for sure. Jonah, tough, sure. So you think it was mythical? I didn't see the need of a savior. Yeah, you don't you don't need a savior. I mean, you look at scripture, you think that's that's so fantastical. It's just a story. It's a myth. Yeah, and that's a real popular belief by those who who take a look at this resurrection story. You know, we call it the Easter story. And, yeah, and, and and you think and you think people who believe it are stupid. Again, I get that, man. You know, I mean, if if you know, if I go in and I see people believe in something that that makes no sense, is absolutely ridiculous. I mean, that's that's fair, right? You know, you're crazy. Why do you, why do you believe such a thing? But um, but you know, let's let's take a closer look into that. At least off the surface, let's dive in. I mean, the the four biggest reasons why people have a hard time believing the resurrection. Um, you know, I'll just start, I'll just start with, uh, number one, he went to the wrong tomb. Mary went to the wrong tomb. Disciples went to the wrong tomb, which I, I get that, you know, I mean, it's door number one, you go to door number three. I mean, it's, you can get wrong. I mean, that's okay. Uh, It's understandable. People make mistakes. But then what we see afterwards is, is that the Romans trying to suppress all these believers in Jesus. We see the Jewish elite hated Jesus, wanted to suppress all the believers. Like if, if he had simply gone to the, to the wrong tomb, they could have easily just killed the entire uh, belief in Jesus by going to the right tomb, popping away the stone, and bringing out the body and saying, look, here's your Jesus. Your guys went to the wrong tomb. You're idiots, and by the way, we're rounding you up. <laughs> you know, like that would have uh, that could have been really easy, and they wouldn't have gone to the to the hard links and and, and failures that that they did. So it's it's really illogical. Like they didn't go to the wrong tomb; they went to the right tomb. They knew where he was buried, and 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 the reason why the body wasn't there is because he uh, he beat death. All right, two hallucinated. You have Mary. She's hysterical. Her, her Lord and Savior just died. Peter, you know, the disciples, they walked with this guy every day for years. They loved him. They followed his teaching. They believed he was supernatural. 
And then all of a sudden, he dies. They freak out. They panic. Hallucination. You know, they, they think they see something. Their body tricks them. Okay, you know, that's, again, understandable. Uh, you know, we, we see people whose minds trick themselves into believing things. I mean, people have different uh, personality disorders, psychosis. I mean, like, the, there's people who, who see things that aren't there. That's fine. But if one person does it, okay. Two people, uh, okay, maybe. Three, seven, 70, 500. Like, it's, it gets to the point where you're talking about mass hallucinations. They, they don't happen like that. And then they don't stop at 40 days. I mean, it's, it was for a very set period of time people saw Jesus, and then after that they didn't see him. You know, hey, hey, it was, it was just a big hallucination. He wasn't real. He wasn't really there. It just doesn't make sense. All right, uh, the third, well, this, was, this is one of my favorites, it's he didn't really die. You know, Jesus, uh, he didn't really die. He, he, was, he was almost death on the cross. You know, they put him in the tomb, but... But he wasn't really dead, and he actually got out, and that was, that was the reason they came to the tomb. Boom, it's empty. Okay, well, let's say that, let's just count that as possible for this moment. Let's see all, all he went through. Again, we mentioned it a minute ago, like, beaten nearly to death, holes in his hands, feet, side, um, uh, gone three days. If he was still alive, then he went three days without food or water somehow was able to remove a stone, get past the two guards that the Romans put there, and then not only uh, be well enough to like get out and walk, but walk like miles and in between towns and say, you know, really look healthy and talk to your talk to your friends and your disciples and eat with them and teach them and no, not, not in 40 days. That, that, there's no way happening. We've, we have tons of doctors here in our uh, you know, Bellwether family. We've got several on the deacon team, and, I, and they all know the body real well. I guarantee you not a single one would tell that, you know, that someone could survive that you know, and not deal with infection. And, you know, it, that's not happening. So he, he did die, and the reason why he wasn't there is because he did die, was resurrected. And the last one, and this is one of... This is one that's, that I've actually heard a lot, was um, that, uh, that the disciples just kind of orchestrated a big sham on everybody. That uh, they went in, they stole the body of Jesus, and then just to keep their, their religion up and going, they told everybody that he was gone, he resurrected, and that's the reason why he's not there. And so then they got all the disciples to buy in and say, look, man, we take this to the grave that, that you know, that we tell everybody that Jesus raised from the dead. They won't know. And so I say, okay, well, you know, we see cults. Uh, we, we've seen some really sadistic and evil kind of groups um, who, who do a lot of groupthink and carry stuff to the death. I mean, we see, we see that here in America. We've seen that worldwide. And, um, and so you say, okay, well, I can buy that, at least a little bit of that. But then you look, um, every single one of these disciples, okay, A, one, they were all uh, cowardly morons. We look in Scripture like you have, you have Peter denying Christ and uh, even immediately after he said that, that he, he wouldn't. And um, you've, got, um, you've got, you know, Jesus is teaching about uh, being meek and humble. And they're arguing over, hey, who's, who's better, Jesus? Who's, who's the better disciple? Who's going to sit at your right hand in heaven? Is it me? Is it me? They don't get it. 
constantly the disciples are not understanding. They are not, they're not getting it, and Jesus is right in front of their face, which personally, that gives me hope for myself. But, um, but we see that the, the disciples just in, incompetent. And so that, that's, that's clue number one. They really couldn't pull it off. But even if they did, um, every single one of them died for their faith with the exception of John. They tried to kill him. They tried to bowl John alive. Didn't work. Freaked him out. They sent him out to, to Patmos in exile to live the rest of his life, um, which is where he, uh, he received the revelation and penned that. It's our last book in the, in the Bible. But, um, but like Peter, we talked earlier, was crucified. Um, James, the brother of Jesus, was a big leader in the uh, uh, church in Jerusalem. Uh, the Jewish elite thought he was a heretic, picked him up, threw him off the top of the temple steps. He landed down, cracked his legs, and then somebody came over with a big blunt object, hit him in the head, and killed him. I mean, all these people died horrific deaths, and none of them recounted, you know, hey, this is uh, just kidding, just kidding. You know, what, you know, Jesus' body's over in the woods, you know, two miles from here. I could show it to you. And like, that's, we just hit it. It was a big sham. None of them ever did that. And like, these people had families. See, like, Peter had a wife. We know that. Um, but even if that were the case, even if they pulled that off, even if there was that purpose, it didn't explain how over 500 people saw him. Like, it doesn't explain all the appearances and all the people that, that saw him. So none of, those, none of those reasons point to anything other than the fact that the resurrection was real. But since the resurrection is real, Hallelujah, praise God. What does that mean for us? What does that mean in our everyday lives? Absolutely. We, we, have, we have a God that loves us, and our sins are settled. You know, for, for, those, who, uh, for those who feel guilty over whatever it is, fill in the blank sin, it's paid for. It's dealt with. What we couldn't do ourselves, I, I, we can't save ourselves. We cannot make ourselves right with God. We are broken. And the only way to do that is, is through Jesus. And, and so our sins have been dealt with. We're clean. We, we can take comfort in that. We can take, we can take happiness in that. Um, also, we don't have to fear death. We don't have to fear that, you know, we see this, uh, the, the girl out in Oregon who, who just um, did, did the, the, what is it, the right to, right to death. I, I can't remember the actual law, but, you know, she, um, she chose to end her life, and she says you know, she, she wasn't fearful of death, and, and um, maybe that's so, but a lot of people are really fearful of death. And if you don't know that your sin's been dealt with and you can be clean in the sight of God. I mean, yeah, that's a scary thing. It's terrifying, and I get that. But because the resurrection's real, and because we can be clean before God, and because He loves us and pursues us, then uh, we don't have to fear death. And because we have a God that loves us and who is ever-present, when we're alone, we're not alone. If we're depressed, we don't... We don't have to be. There are, I mean, there's, there's medical conditions and everything, but it's just as far as getting down, we can take comfort in the fact that there's a God 
who loves us and is there to comfort us in ways that we can't do ourselves. Also, if you feel abandoned, you're not. The Lord loves you. He's actively pursuing you. Also, we get access to the Holy Spirit who dwells within us that Jesus himself said, it is better that I leave and he come than if I'm even there in the flesh in front of you. That's awesome. We, we don't nearly take, uh, we don't nearly uh, use that to, to, to as much to our advantage as we need to. You know, we need to call on the Holy Spirit to really just uh, uh, show us and guide us, you know, daily and moment by moment in life. But, I mean, that's, that's our fight as a Christian. We get, to, uh, we get to learn how to do that the rest of our lives here on this planet until we're, uh, until we're called home with him. And we get to, uh, we get to see him face to face. So, look, when the alarm clock goes off in the morning, know that you're loved by the king. And because the resurrection is real, you can take hope. Thank you for coming. I'm going to close this with a prayer.